The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Percy thinks he might be gay. He's 80% certain. 80. Nice. No need to overdo it. So he's dealing with that, which I think is great, and I'm being very supportive over. I always thought he might be a bit gay, but more like 30%, if I'm honest. Hey, Hi, everybody. Buddy. Oh, no, sorry. You're going first. I'm just reading off the thing. You start. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I might leave this in. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 51, Jeremy Therapies. My name is Laura. Oh, sorry. I, what am I doing? I'm reading it me like I'm me. Start oh. again. Sorry. I'm fucking idiot. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. This is just the best intro ever. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, oh, Christ. All right, well, fuck it. It's all fucked now, but that's it's okay. We, we, we did have a very funny intro where we were going to do the whole I'm Robert Grayson, no, I'm Robert Grayson thing, but because of <laughs> I fucking... can't read, apparently, today, so I couldn't achieve it. Sorry. Uh, it's just my shitty use of pronouns and not... Uh... <laughs> yeah, but you think I could work out when you'd written them, yeah. <laughs> How are you, anyway? Oh, I'm fantastic. As we saw on on uh, Twitter, I'm doing fucking great. My wife is expecting. I'm so very happy. The team is going to be expanding. I'm a little nervous, but I would be concerned if I wasn't. Yeah, so. you've you've got this. Babies are babies are bullshit. Actually, babies are really easy. It's when they get to be like two that the problems start. That's <laughs> where the bad. That's when they can walk. That's when it gets bad. Yeah, for the longest time, I thought that babies were just these, like, helpless lumps of clay until they were, like, two, and then all of a sudden they were walking and talking. I didn't realize that, like, babies were walking by, you know, 11, 12 months and... Yeah, I didn't stuff. understand until I had children. I hadn't ever been around children, really, because I don't have any cousins, and I um, am the... I've only got one sister who's not that much younger than me, so I don't remember her being a baby. And I thought, like you say, that you had this, like, newborn for way longer. Like, I thought they were going to be this inner lump of flesh that you just sort of carried around for a few years. But no, actually, they start moving really quick. Yeah, it was really crazy. When my first niece was born, Charlie, it was crazy to me. Like, I would see her, I'd see her, and she was just babbling, and then, you know... I would come back like a week later and she was like fucking talking in sentences. Mm, yeah, it's, it's really weird. And it's so weird now that, so my eldest daughter is just coming up to four. She's going to be four in about three weeks time. And when you think of like what they go through in that time from being a helpless lump to someone who tells you off and like, it's ridiculous. It's insane. She can read. And I don't, it's just crazy how that happens. Yeah. And uh, when this episode, when Series 8 premiered, I my little niece Charlie was like probably about a month old, so it's oh, really, really weird. So November 2012 this was? Yeah, yeah, it's weird when you kind of think about things in context. Yeah, so we had um, just moved to, not the house we are in now, but the house before that, and I had just started a new job. I was... I'd just become the deputy head of English in a school in East London, and I was focusing on that. I was working really hard. What about you? 
Um, Nicole and I had just recently gotten married. Uh, let's see, November. So we would have been married five months. Um, yeah, six months at this, at this point. Um, I still hadn't started working at Farmers Insurance yet. <laughs> I still hadn't heard a peep show yet. Um, <clears throat> which is crazy. Like, it's crazy for me to even just say that out loud that I hadn't heard of this TV show that I've spent, you know, the last like year and a half of my life like covering. Um, you know, what's really weird for me now when I think about it is that peep show has been part of my life for almost half of my life, which I can't believe. Yeah, that's crazy. It's mm, nuts. I feel like I almost feel like they are a part of me. I feel like I've been watching it so long. That's parts of peep show have like embedded themselves in my psyche almost. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see we were still living in our one bedroom apartment let's see i may have just been notified that i was gonna be working at farmers i may have just gotten my farmer's job mm, i'd been doing my new job for about two months at this point um but i i got pregnant with my oldest daughter about a year after this so i didn't actually do this job for that long but it was a, it was a really it was a hardcore job it wasn't as uh, nice as working with the uh, erotic magazine. <laughs> no, definitely not. This was this was very intense. This job. It was the sort of school where it was a good school, but it was the sort of school where they expect you to be in school for like twelve hours a day. And I was in school twelve hours a day, and I was commuting for like an hour, and I was just absolutely exhausted. No, it was not as relaxing as when I worked in porn. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that this episode would have come out on probably Thanksgiving in America. Oh yeah, Thanksgiving, which still not entirely sure when that is. Did you ever watch Catastrophe with um, Rob Delaney? Uh, I haven't. Oh, well, I think you would enjoy it. It's another Channel Four thing, and um, it's very funny. It's about a couple about an American man and an Irish woman who meet in London, and she accidentally becomes pregnant, which is the catastrophe. Oh, and, and okay, yes, I've heard of that. It's re it's very good, but. There's a great line in that where they're having an argument and by this time they're married and they're having an argument and he says, well, we'll start thinking about that around Thanksgiving. And she's like looking at the calendar and he's like, it's insulting that we've been married all these years and you still don't know when Thanksgiving is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's where I, I am. Why did I, why did I watch this show? Did it air in America? I wonder. I don't know. Is he a big deal in America? Um, I mean, he's not, you know super huge but um you know who he is yeah I, I know who he is he's very funny and this is i mean the, the third season was a bit ropey but they the first season in particular was absolute genius it's well worth you watching yeah he played uh peter in deadpool which just came out over here in america oh okay i quite fancy him he's very tall that's the that's his whole thing i think is that he's very tall and very dark but he's quite he's quite attractive in a weird sort of way yeah, he's very funny in um, Deadpool too. He's very. I funny. believe he was. I read his memoir. His memoir is very funny, and he was an alcoholic. I believe he doesn't drink anymore, um, as is fashionable with alcoholics when they stop being one. Um, he, he, yeah, he was an alcoholic, and the memoir is about his relationship with alcohol. It's worth a read. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. You, you just read like a lot of dot or. Uh biographies about people don't you yeah i really like i like biographies and i like memoirs it's probably my favorite uh, genre of writing i've sort of fallen out of love with fiction and i don't know if that's because english teacher hat because it's my job and because i did a degree in it and 
I don't know. And maybe it's just to do with that, but I, I much prefer real life stuff now to fiction. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So let's see, were you and Phil had, how long had you and Phil been married or were you and Phil even married at this point? We, weren't mar- we got married in February 2013. So we were uh, a few months away from getting married. Uh, so you're still in that final, like, oh my God, we've got so much to plan for our wedding. I think we just sent the invitations out at this point, actually. I mean, we didn't have a very big wedding. There were only about 50 people that came, but we were just at that point where we were. I was starting to have the anxiety dreams about no one turning up. it's happy times i mean i i get that i don't like organizing like even parties even children's parties i get very anxious about what if no one comes so your wedding is like oh my god what if there's no one there well i'm gonna look like such a fool yeah nicole and i we had almost everybody we invited ended up coming yeah, so. I think everyone we invited came as well. It was fine. I had no reason to think no one was coming. It was just me being neurotic. <laughs> you being neurotic? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I was worried about the caterers, the parking situation, which is, to be fair, a nightmare. That was the situation. I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> so what did you think about this episode uh, going in? Did you remember it particularly? So I will admit, I thought this was the episode where Jeremy becomes a life coach. Yeah, me and too. I'd got them. I'd I'd got a few things confused in this episode. Yeah, I had kind of merged business secrets of the pharaohs and Jeremy therapized into like one episode. Mm. So I kept waiting for Jeremy to become a life coach, and then it wasn't happening. And I was like, "The fuck!" There's like six minutes left. Like I remember Jeremy becoming a life coach being like the main plot of this episode. Yeah, and then... I'm I'm pretty sure I the stuff with Gerard I thought was in a different episode as well. Yeah. I couldn't remember which episode all the Gerard stuff happened in, but yeah, I I had just gotten Business Secrets of the Pharaohs in this episode flip-flopped with each other. Yeah, me, me too. There was a lot of confusion here. Although you do need this episode because for once there's some sort of continuity where at the end Jeremy says that he's going to become a therapist. Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I thought I didn't have any thoughts going into this episode, so I was pleasantly surprised. It, you know, wasn't like, I didn't think it was super funny, but what I thought it did well was it just set up a bunch of the plot lines for Series 8 that we were going to be dealing with, with, um, yeah. you know, Dobby moving in, bath bathrooms and fittings, um, Jeremy the life coach, Jeremy moving out, you know, I just thought that there was like a ton of, ton of great, great stuff. Yes, yeah, it does. I mean, and I will admit that this is these are not my season eight is not my favorite series by a long chalk, but it's got some funny moments. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and yeah, we kind of start this season off on kind of a downer note with uh, Jeremy and Superhands burning all their you know band stuff, and yeah. Superhands looks very very well dressed. His hair's very well cut, very short. Yeah, he's sold out. He's got a job and a suit. And as Jeremy says in his internal monologue for the first moments of this first scene, they are burning all the band stuff. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Superhand says, well, this is it, the day the music died. <laughs> and then I he love also, that line. Yeah, and then he also doesn't remember what the band was called, and Jeremy asks if it was 13 Bastards. <laughs> I, I think this is my favourite of their band names. I put in my notes to ask you, what's your favourite 
band oh, name that they have. It's Curse These Metal Hands without... Ah, uh, of course. That is a good one. But I think I like 13 Bastards. I just think there's a... I don't know. There's a succinctness to 13 Bastards that I enjoy. Oh, no. I agree with you. 13 Bastards is a great name. I mean... I would, of... I would go and see 13 Bastards. <laughs> I just love all the band names that they come up with. I think actually all their band names, if I saw that on the bill at a festival and it was like way down the bill in one of the tiny tents, I would go and see them. Oh, well, you should just get yourself the uh, Festivus poster that has all their <laughs> band names on it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I have it curled up on my desk because I'm too goddamn cheap to go buy a fucking frame for it. <laughs> I also have the um, the Etsy print of the like the blueprint to Mark's apartment. Oh, that's cool. I've seen that. I'm just looking up around the desk and I've got lots of pictures of the children. I need some. I've got a picture of me and Robert Webb from when I met him above the desk. But other than that, I haven't got anything peep show related. I should get one. Yeah, uh, for Festivus, for the Wolverhampton Festivus 2018, 13 Bastards was playing on Saturday right after coming up for Blair, but right before all the whores of Malta. Uh, coming up for Blair is another of my favorite uh, favorite band names. Saturday is headlined by Danny Dyer's Chocolate Homoculus. <laughs> Sunday is the day to go to with Mama's Kumquat in Enya. Ah, uh, well, yeah, that'd be, that would be the day to go to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Uh, enough of that. So Mark <laughs> walks in and just sees them, like, burning a bunch of stuff in the trash can, and he asks the boys if they're, you know, doing an indoor barbecue again. And as he's doing this, he's also putting a box from, like, Amazon or something in Jeremy's room with him. Yeah, I made a note here that don't you think Mark would be more angry about this indoor fire? Because A, that can kill you, right? You can't do that indoors. And B, it would burn the floor, wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess it could. I guess it could. Mm. Um, yeah, you need to do that shit outside. Yeah. I, w I would just assume that the smoke would, like, in that tiny bedroom would eventually, like, just asphyxiate the two of them. Yeah, I'm sure that that's... I'm sure that I've read somewhere that, like, that's why you can't have a barbecue in a tent. You will die. <laughs> yeah, just smoke yourselves to death. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but as you say, yeah, Mark's bringing in yet more flat pack furniture for this bedroom that he's going to turn into an office. Yep, and Mark just, you know, Jeremy is upset because he feels like Mark is just trying to shove him out the door. And, um, you know, Mark says, well, you have stopped paying rent, or at least you stopped feeling guilty about paying rent. And then Superhands yeah. offers Jeremy a place to stay at his place. And he says, I've got a bag. The bag's always yours. But Jeremy wants nothing to do with Superhands' bag. Yeah, never the bag. Um, he... He knows that, that he's he's sort of savvy enough to know that living with Superhands is a bad idea, which is something, at least. Yeah, after New Year's Eve, I wouldn't want to live with Superhands either. No, exactly. Um, Superhands then makes the... Uh, just, just tells Mark as he's leaving the room that the guys at the showroom are looking for more hands on deck. Um, the money's tasty at the bathroom showroom. And he says that you get to work with toilets, which is obviously funny, and showers, which is sexy. And Mark sort of nods and, and, and Superhands says he'll put a word in for him. And yeah. Mark then thinks, Christ, I've been headhunted by Superhands. The only headhunter that would actually physically chop my head off. <laughs> how, do you yeah, think well, that, how do you think that Hands even got this job? 
I think Hans is one of those guys, isn't he? He's got the gift of the gab. He knows a few geezers. I bet he's. I bet he's always. I bet that's why he's always all right because he'll always find something. Yep. And <coughs> excuse me. Yep. And Jeremy is upset because he didn't get the job tip, and he thinks that they could have been the Chemical Toilet Brothers. <laughs> yeah, but it's super handy, sensible enough to know that Jeremy is not someone you want working with you if you want to look good to your boss. Yeah, this is why I'm always afraid of making recommendations for people. It's because then yeah, I don't want them to turn out to be a shitbag. Exactly. If they turn out to be a shitbag, then it's all on you. Mm-hmm. So um, we then move on to Dobby's flat. And Mark and Dobby are in the kitchen. And Mark is thinking that it's great that she's agreed to move in. He's just got to close the deal. Yeah, and this kind of starts the... Um the main plot for Mark and Dobby this season, which is will she or won't she when it comes to moving in with him? And Mark wants to, you know, get her into the flat and keep her locked down like Fritzel. I'm assuming you know who Fritzel is, right? Yeah, Fritzel was very... I was going to say Fritzel was very popular here. He wasn't popular, but Fritzel was very well known here. Okay. Yeah, there was a documentary on him called Story of a Monster that I watched, so that was... Um, oh, I haven't seen that. Is it on Netflix? Yes. It's terrifying. I'll have to look out for that. I know he was like a terrifying guy. I read a book about him, which was pretty terrifying. And I know that the the book, The Room, and then the subsequent film was based on the idea that uh, that he... I mean, it was crazy what he got away with. Ugh. Yeah. So, but that's what Mark wants to do to Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> but then he quickly uh, censors himself and says, no, actually... Not like Fritzel, just like a nice, normal, loving guy who knows where she is at all times. <laughs> red uh, flag, Dobby, red flag. Yeah, which he then goes to clarify, which at no point would be locked in the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> Only because he doesn't have a cellar. Yeah. We also find out that Dobby has been spending a lot of time with Gerard, which I have some serious issues with in this in this particular episode. What, because they were previously romantically linked? And um, and I can see why Mark's not down with this, because Gerard is not a benign figure who's not interested in Dobby. Like, we know yes. he still fancies yeah. her. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about, in our situations, the other person is relatively benign and not, you know, out to cause mischief and mayhem, unlike Gerard, who actually is out to cause mischief and mayhem. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, They've been playing Connect Four together. And um, Mark thinks, oh, he's so sickly. And then Dobby explains that he's in a really bad way. He can barely move. Uh, and Mark thinks that he bet some parts of him can move perfectly well. Um, Mark then goes on to talk about the job interview that he has um, lined up at Bathroom Supplies. And Dobby gives him this kind of, oh, amazing. And Mark just thinks, oh, lovely fake enthusiasm. She asks him to come into the kitchen to open a tin of mushy peas, and she gives him this really fucking sweet tin opener that I wish I had. Oh, yeah, it's like an electric tin opener, isn't it? Yeah, but it actually cuts the side of the can instead of the top of the can, so you don't get the razor-sharp edges on there. Yeah, that's a fancy tin opener, that is. Yeah. And um, so Mark tries to subtly kind of ask her when she's thinking about moving into his, his place. He says, you know... When are you thinking you might be moving in? I've just got to fill out a form. And Dobby just says, yeah, soon. The rent here is killing me. And then she says, when I can get the bloody deposit sorted and get my shit together. And Mark thinks, ah, 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 that's cool. The getting of the shit could take years. 
or could take a night, could take five years. And then Dobby asked him to nuke a like plastic tin of macaroni and cheese. Oh, it's mushy peas, isn't it? That she's once open because she's fucking northern and they no, no, no. She's with everything. Uh, the thing that she's stabbing with the fork is, I think, macaroni and cheese that they put oh, in the microwave. Yeah, like a like a ready meal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so Mark thinks that the tin opener, whilst suspicious, is not conclusive to the idea of her not moving in with him. But the microwave might be. So he thinks if he breaks the microwave and she gets a new one, then that will be a definitive answer. So he like jabs at the mechanism with a fork <laughs> and, and fucks it up. And as somebody who's bought a microwave in the last year, microwaves are fucking expensive. And I would be really, really irritated if Nicole just was like, oh, I want to test Sean and just destroyed my microwave. Microwaves are expensive in America. Uh, microwaves are not expensive here. Oh, man. Our microwave was like $120. What? Maybe I've just got a crap microwave, but our microwave is perfectly good and has some, some funky functions. And it was like 35 quid. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Our microwave was like 120 bucks. Oh, that's weird. As is also a grill. And, yeah, it was less than 40 pounds. Damn, that's nice. How weird. I think it was a very fancy microwave. Maybe next time I buy a microwave, I'll just buy one in England and I'll just um, have it shipped over. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Dobby is upset to see that her microwave is broken. Um, because she says she can't do analog cooking, she can only do robot, which is quite a funny line. Um, yeah, but then that was... she says, oh, sorry, go on. That was me until about six weeks ago that I just sucked at cooking. And then when we started this diet, I just kind of forced myself to get better at cooking. So I can really empathize here. <laughs> uh, but she's just been on the phone anyway. And she says, never mind. She's just going to grab, grab something at Gerard's. And Mark sort of says, Gerard, and, and Jesus, he's, he's just called me. He's feeling a lot worse. I said I'd go over for a bit. Is that cool? And Mark passively, aggressively says, yes, that's fine. Yeah, and again, I don't want to beat beat this to death, but I know that Mark is no peach, but I think it's really <laughs> shitty for Dobby to bail on Mark during their dinner to go hang out with another guy. Yeah, it's, and not, I think, it's a bit much. Yeah, and I think she needs to just... I think. If if Gerard hadn't died this episode, I really think she would have just need to set clear boundaries for Gerard so that there was no impact on her relationship. Yeah, I agree. And also, and that just makes me think about something else, with as in tune with her own feelings as Dobby is, why is she not seeing that this is clearly like disturbing to Mark that she keeps, you know, doing stuff with Gerard and not Mark? Maybe she's really worried about Gerard and met and um, I'm saying Gerard like you now, <laughs> Gerard. And maybe she's think maybe she knows he's iller than he is, and she that the, the Mark thinks he is, and she therefore is concerned because she thinks he really is close to death. Which, uh, as the audience and Mark don't know at this point. Yeah, I mean, but she could maybe be a little more forceful about telling Mark that you know, Ger- That's she true. could just. And how do you say, is it Gerard? Gerard, yeah. Okay. I'm going to have you to focus. Give it... No, it's fine. It's fine. It's, I think your way of pronouncing it is completely legitimate. It's just that I was I was copying you. I do this. I, re- I find it really easy to fall into other people's accents and speech patterns. So. 
Um, Mark has a very funny line where he says, uh, aiming for a bit more connect four. Or, excuse me, let me start that over again. Mark has a really funny line where he thinks to himself, the sickly Casanova aiming for a bit more connect foreplay. Well, I'm going to block your bright red cock with my multiple discs of yellow cock. I was playing connect four with my daughter the other day at her at my parent-in-law's caravan, and I was giggling to myself thinking of that line the whole time I was playing connect four. <laughs> so next scene, we're over at, at Gerard's place, and he's like laying in bed, and he's just looking like hot death and. You know, he's um, thanking Dobby for coming over and Mark, but Mark thinks to himself, yes, there's a sting in the tail, a scorpion in the kinder egg, a nail in the Toblerone, and tis I. And then he <laughs> kind of walks into the bedroom and you can see that um, Gerard is a little upset about Mark being there. Yeah. Um, Mark says that he they were about to have a romantic Italian dinner for two when you rang, so I thought I'd come along as well. Which harks back to back in all the way back in series one, where uh, Jeff tells Mark that he and Sophie have been out for a romantic Italian bill, but they've actually been to Pizza Hut. Oh yeah! Oh my god, I totally forgot all about that. I just thought I was just thinking how funny that line was in context that they were about to just nuke some macaroni and cheese. <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it's a good line. So Dobby asks Gerard how he is and he says he feels awful and Mark says that's not the spirit, mind over matter. Your friend the Cyberman wouldn't be so defeatist nor would any of your other brilliant dogs. Yeah, and um, it's great because it shows this like little camera pan of, of Gerard's room and he's got like uh, toys and like a bookshelf full of just doll action figures and not dolls, they're action figures of historical interest. And, um, yeah yeah and it's it's very funny um dobby then offers to get him a pie on she asked him what sort of pie he would like gray matter pie or brown matter pie and he says he's like a gray matter pie and Deb dobby leaves the room at this point the... mark i'm sorry what's the difference between the two uh so i think that i mean i'm not a big pie eater but pies are generally split into two categories there's the like beef and gravy style pie which is the brown one and like chicken and mushroom style pie which is the gray one i believe ah okay <clears throat> interesting i mean this is really this is northern talk we need a northerner here to explain all the many pies to us but that's as i understand it are the gravy ones and the non-gravy ones claire is a northerner right yeah she is claire could you could you let us know if this is a thing a pie is split into these two categories Help us, Claire. You're our Into only hope. North. Yeah, you're our only hope. Got a clueless American and a clueless Cockney here. <laughs> um, Mark kind of gets close to Gerard and he's saying, I know what you're doing. And, you know, Gerard is kind of playing like all, all kind of innocent and everything. And, um, you know, Mark is really, like, just planting his flag, and he's saying, you know, Davi's not interested in you, and um, Gerard says he's playing the long game, and just as he's saying that, uh, Davi walks back into the room and asks where the inhaler is. Yeah, and he says that it might be in the spare room now, and he uses this as an excuse to say that Ken took all of his stuff, and he's living alone now. Oh, it feels really weird to be alone. To be honest, if I could just find a pal... A pal. If I could just find a pal to move in, I'd let him come live here rent-free. 
And um, Mark kind of looks at him and, and Gerard gives him a knowing look and Mark's like, I, I know what you're doing. Yeah. And then uh, Mark thinks, you know, I can't compete with that. A free room at Gerard versus 50 quid a week for Fritzl's cellar. <laughs> um, we and then move back in. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, we... Let me start over here. After that, we go back to Apollo House where we have Mark and he's getting baby Ian all strapped up in his uh, stroller and... You know, Mark's thinking, time to say goodbye to Daddy and hand you over to Mummy. And then he kind of sniffs Ian and he's like, hmm, pretty sure Ian's parked a turd in there. And then he, but he doesn't do anything because he thinks Sophie can change it in the lift. <laughs> yeah. He goes to open the door and says, hi, Sophie, but it's not Sophie. It is Jeff. Uh, Jeff says he's here to pick up Ian. Uh, did Sophie not tell you? They're back on. He's moved into Nana's cottage and they're all living together. Um, Mark is not sure about giving the baby to Jeff, but does it anyway. So should I give the thing I love best to the man I hate most? Um, but as he gives the baby the car seat to Jeff, Jeff says, sort of sniffs and says, has he? And Mark just says, don't think so, mate. And <laughs> closes the door and thinks maybe the baby won't remember I gave him away to another man. And if he does, he'll be some sort of memory genius. Yep, my son hates me, but he can remember a full deck of cards and that's why he lives in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> um, as somebody who is expecting a child um, this scene like really made me laugh like a lot of the a lot of the Mark baby stuff that we've talked about has like taken on kind of a new impact for me over the last like <laughs> six weeks are you hoping your baby will be a memory genius man my hope is that my kid is some sort of like memory genius where he's able to make like millions and millions of dollars off of being a memory genius and Nicole and I can just retire when we're like 60, which is I guess yeah. average retirement age or that I'm, he's I'm hoping for some kind of some kind of genius like not genius even at this point but just like if one of them could have a real talent for singing and dancing and become a star that'd be great. Oh yeah. Yeah, I would be fine with that as well. Yeah, you want to become yeah. like a triple threat that can sing, dance, and <laughs> act? Yeah, great, cool. Yeah, go for it. Unfortunately, next, I think the that next... the genes are showing themselves and that is not the case. <laughs> you don't, you're not raising the next Neil Patrick Harris? <laughs> no, I don't think so. You know, I, I must have said this before, that we've got a famous ballet dancer in Phil's family, which is hilarious if you've ever seen Phil. And he, um, this famous ballet dancer, he's a really big deal. He's Phil's second cousin. And it's his name is he's a born as well. His name is synonymous with ballet in this country. And so many times people have asked if we're related to Matthew Bourne, which we are. And when Sadie, our first daughter, was born, um, people often said, "Oh, maybe she'll be a ballerina." Well, I don't think she's going to be a ballerina. I'm just putting that out there. Jesus Christ! He has his own Wikipedia article. He's a big deal. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, that's my claim to fame. I am the wife of the second cousin of Matthew Bourne. You know what we should do is we should make our own, our podcast Wikipedia page and just have it link off of his. <laughs> yeah, although I do think that Matthew Bourne's ballet audience and our audience are probably quite different people. I could be wrong. Might be a lot of ballet fans listening to this right now, but I'm not sure there are. Laura, you're bearing the lead here. He is Sir Matthew Bourne. Oh yeah, yeah. He's knighted and everything. Did you get invited to the knighting ceremony? 
did not get invited to the night in ceremony. He turned up at a funeral I went to a few years ago and it all got a bit exciting and everyone was like, oh, Matthew Bond's coming to the funeral. But um, he only came to the crematorium. He didn't come to the bit afterwards. He didn't talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't talk, to, didn't talk to the likes of me. Did he come to your wedding? No, <laughs> he did not come to my wedding. Um, so we are back at Apollo House a little bit later and Mark walks into the kitchen and just sees Jeremy stacking up a bunch of shopping and, um, Mark tells Jeremy, you know, like, oh, that's a lot of shopping, Jez, and Dobby might have moved in before we eat all these horrible lentils and Jeremy is a realist and just says, I've just got a feeling maybe I'm going to finish the lentils. <laughs> yeah, he, he knows that this isn't happening. Mark says she is moving in, you know, we, I'm going to get a firm date. But before he can carry on this conversation, he notices that Jeremy's bought cat food. He asks, why have you bought cat food? And Jeremy explains it's to confuse them. He doesn't like the fucking nectar inspectors. And uh, he wants to throw them a weird one. That's why he bought Denture Cleaner. Who are these guys? Yeah, Mark thinks, great. So now they'll think we're a couple of guys with our booze and our pizza and a cat we starve and an old man we've kidnapped whose dentures we periodically dine to clean. <laughs> um, Dobby walks into the kitchen after that and Mark asks if she wants pepperoni or a margarita pizza. I think I'd probably go with margarita myself. Uh, Me too. Dobby says, oh, it's like Sophie's Choice if Meryl Streep had given birth to a pair of Chicago Town pizzas. <laughs> um, she then says that to Jez that Mark told her about him burning the band. Uh, Are you OK? And Jeremy says he's too big to fail. And Mark just says he, he doesn't know what that means. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy says, but it's cool <laughs> because we've always got the 3-0 Walcott millions and Dobby looks very confused, so... Mark explains this rather famous joke from this series. Jeremy is planning to sell the headline 3-0 Walcott to a tabloid magazine when Theo Walcott turns 30, which we've agreed to not to argue whether that's a good plan. And, you know, just so everybody knows, that'll be next year, 16 March 2019, will be 3-0 Walcott Day. I'm constantly amazed that, that Theo Walcott has not yet turned 30. He must have been about six when this uh, episode aired. <laughs> uh, let's see. He was born in 89. So... He would have been about 23. Yeah, it was 22 or 23 when this yeah. when this aired. Yeah. Um, Dobby then kind of just mentions that her friend Ellis, Alice is seeing a shit-hot therapist and that he sorted her right out. Her work, her relationships, her OCD about visiting every mainland, Holland and Barrett, everything. Uh, and yeah, Jeremy says he'd love to do therapy, have someone's hand in his brain, having a good old route around, but he can't afford it. And Mark says, you know what? He'd pay for you to have therapy. I'll pay for you to have therapy. You can see this as your deposit coming back to you with you and going away present for moving out. And Jeremy's really excited. He's like, oh, well, what about the stain? And Mark just says, it's a goodbye gift. Fuck the stain. And Jeremy is really excited because he says, dude, I thought you were going to wheedle me for ages about the stain. Mark just says, spend it on the nut doctor to work out what's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Jeremy says, I love you, Mark. And Mark says, I like you too, Jez. A very classic, very funny joke. Yeah. Um, then Dobby's phone rings and it's Gerard again. And Mark says, come on, you saw him last night. You saw him the night before. It's like you're turning into his personal bum boy. Um, and she says, look, he's really ill. I, I could be there and back in under an hour because he might have got worse. 
And Mark says, I really want to spend the evening with you. We're going to watch The Apprentice together. I've seen someone on there who looks like a right specimen. I think we're both going to really hate him. And sometimes you've got to draw the line. And he takes Dobby's phone and hangs up on Gerard. Yep. And Dobby, with a pop culture reference, it was probably pretty relevant at the time, says, well, that's pretty fucking Fifty Shades of Grey. And Mark just gives her this look and he says, right, you know you wanted me to. And yeah. Dobby says, okay, well, this bloke better be a solid gold twat. <laughs> we then move on to Jeremy in the psychotherapy practice where he is about to have his therapy. He's in the waiting room thinking to himself, what does he really want from therapy? A harsh, unremitting stare at the bare facts of my actual life. But then uh, he sees the doctor walking in <laughs> eating a Twix and he thinks when he's eating a Twix, I can't take him seriously. And he leaves the therapy. Uh, the waiting room and the receptionist says Mr. Osborne and he says sorry no Mr. Smith wrong house I'm not coming back goodbye and makes a run for it <laughs> um, so next we next scene which you know one oh, I guess I forgot to mention this too this episode has a fuckload of scenes in it it does actually it's chopped up I, I noticed that when I was chopping it up into the uh, for my notes that there is lots of little bits now, there's like 13 scenes in this episode, which is a lot, considering we've had episodes that have had four and five scenes, six scenes. Yeah, maybe it's because it's setting so many things up. Yeah. Um, so next, we go to bath, bathrooms, and fittings with Mark and Super Hands. Uh, this is actually a real place that we attempted to call them today. Um, this is the actual name of the business is Sunbury Concepts. And it's London's number one luxury bathroom showcase. So I'm going to assume that it's the only luxury bathroom showcase in London. <laughs> yeah, I um, I tried to call them this afternoon and I left them a lovely message saying I'd love to speak to anyone that was there when uh, Peep Show came to film. But they've not called me back. So yeah. if anyone has any contacts at Sudbury Bathrooms, we'd love them to give us a call. Yeah, and if you want to have your bathroom designed by Sunbury Concepts, they are located on 45 to 49 Staines Road West, Sunbury Cross, Surrey, Sunbury on Thames, Thames, excuse me, let me pronounce that right, <laughs> TW167AA. Why are your fucking addresses so long? Why are your addresses so short? Whenever I've tried to send you anything in the post, I'm, I'm like, this doesn't look like enough letters like this is ridiculous how is this going to make it to that person it's my house number my apartment number the city and the state i live in and my postal code that's it i don't need like sunbury cross surrey sunbury on thames like we get it like i live in olathe there's only one olathe kansas to be fair that is you don't need all that information you could just put what could you put you could put the the, the number, the street name, and probably the postcode, and it would make it. <laughs> um, Superhands is telling Mark that Robert Grayson's the kind of guy who will respect you more if you stand up to him. Mark thinks he's getting, inter can't believe he's getting interview advice from the disordered mind of the crackhead. Superhands tells him, right, you should be like, no, mate, let me stop you right there. The interview's gone on long enough. I need a shit and a glass of water. I'll be back out in five. Uh, then I, march love, out. I love this scene. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I would. I really would love to just do this at an interview where, like, they're asking you, you know, like, so what's your, uh, 
what's your desire for working here? And you're just like, hold on, I just got to take a shit and get a glass of water. I'll be back in five. <laughs> yeah, I really love this scene because it's, it is the epitome of all of those. Like when you're going for a job and people, everyone's got advice and people come out with the most insane things. And when, uh, <laughs> when he says about going out, march out for a, for a shit and a glass of water and Mark says a shit and a glass of water and, and Hans is like, yeah, whatever. I've got a headache. I need a baguette. I mean, that is exactly the sort of bullshit people come out with and you think, well, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to say something that mad in an interview situation. Like, I think most of us are doing interviews the same way and it's not with this kind of apprentice style bullshit. Yeah, it's very, very fucking funny. Um, so Mark approaches the the interview room and he's practicing in his head what he's going to say. Yes, and this is sort of this sort of goes exactly how it went for Laura and I, where Mark is thinking, you know, hi Robert Grayson, I'm Mark Corgan. Hi Robert Grayson, pleased to meet you. Hi, Mr. Grayson, nice to meet you. And then the secretary says, Mr. Grayson's ready for you. Mark says, thank you. He's still kind of running over in his head how he's going to introduce himself, and then he just walks right into the office and he says, hi, I'm Robert Grayson, pleased to meet you. And then he looks at Mark and Mr. Grayson looks at Mark and says, no, I'm Robert Grayson. And Mark just looks like super, super embarrassed. And, um, you know, he apologizes and he just says, he just thinks to himself, I suddenly have an overpowering desire for a glass of water and a baguette. <laughs> uh, we then move into after the interview and Mark can't believe that he's got a second interview. He thinks if only he can remember his name at the next one, he might be in with a chance. Um, and as he's walking down the street, he notices that Jeremy is sitting in an Indian restaurant and thinks, hang on, this is prime therapy time, and realises that what Jez has done, which is bailed on his therapy to go and eat onion bhajis. Okay, so this this was the one time where IMDB let me down on the name of the business that Jeremy was at. And I, was, I had to do a little research, so this one was actually not as easy as just plugging it into... Um, IMDB. <clears throat> so they told me the street that the restaurant was on, but not the name of the restaurant. Right, okay. So I had to, I like freeze framed it and I was like, okay, he's with a blue, he's by a blue building that has four white pillars in the front. And then I just used Google Map to just slowly go down the street until I found the building with four white pillars in the front. And it is Samrat Indian Restaurant. Wow, 52. That's, a, that's dedication to finding this out. Yeah, 52 Pitchinger Lane, London, W51QY. See, that's a much more succinct address right there. Yeah, that is. That's true. Um, that's because it's in, like, it's more centrally in London. Um, but this is what quite I... a long way from the bathroom place, I would imagine. Yes, it is. They are about 11 miles apart from each other, and Mark would have spent about three and a half hours walking from place to place. <laughs> Thank you for I'm doing a... that research. Oh, no problem. You know, only the highest quality of research for this podcast. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, talk about Super Hands' high German or anything like that. <laughs> um, so then we move to um, the back at the flat and Jess comes back and Mark asks him how the session was. And Jess says it was great. He thinks he'll be cured soon. And Mark says, oh, did they use that phrase? And he says, and Jeremy says, like, oh, I don't really want to get into it. Uh, but Mark is being really nice and you know when Mark's being really nice that he's got something planned 
And what he has done is passively aggressive, bought a massive curry as a treat to try and make Jeremy sick because he's already eaten a huge curry. Yeah, and uh, Jeremy is telling him, you know, that, oh, you know, I'm not really, not really hungry. And Mark's just like, oh, don't be ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I got us both a big, lovely curry, a non and a half each. Uh, you know, and he just keeps offering Jeremy more food. Chicken tiki, tikka marsala, balti tiger prawn, vegetable korma. Like, he just went all fucking out. <laughs> and he keeps asking Jeremy, you know, like, um, is, so is there any particular school of your therapist? And Jeremy says it's a mixture. Mark offers him lam posada that's so rich and creamy. And Jeremy just says, I, you're such a bastard. And Mark says, well, you know, why? What, and, and what's wrong with it? And Jeremy says, you know exactly what's wrong with it. And he says, no, I don't. And this is just, just tell me. And he says, oh, no, just, just tell me and it'll be fine. No more curry, no more problems. And Jeremy refuses to say it. And then he's, then Mark says, well, then you've got to eat it. And he says, all right, I didn't go to the therapy. I went and had onion barges instead. You're the king. I'm a piece of shit. I pissed it up the wall like I pissed everything up the wall. I'm a shithead. I need help. <laughs> I need therapy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then at this point, um, the doorbell rings and he he gets up to go answer the door and it's Dobby and Mark just leads with, Hey, great news. I got a call back for a second interview at Bass Bathrooms and Fittings. And that's when we get a bombshell. Yeah. Congratulations, says Dobby. Gerard's dead. And Mark, you know, understandably, can't believe it and says, what? And she says, he's dead. He died last night, a couple of hours after he called me. Um, and Mark can't believe it. He thinks, fucking hell, Gerard, there was no need to die. I only disliked you a bit. I didn't want you to fucking die. Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> Dobby then explains things took a turn for the worst. It was taken to hospital, but it was too late. Uh, and Mark says, what did he die of? And Dobby says, the flu, <laughs> which is which is, seems unbelievable to Mark. So he calls out, hey, Jeremy, Gerard's died of the flu, to which Jeremy just shouts back from the living room, bullshit. And bullshit. Says, <laughs> no, seriously. And <laughs> Jeremy says, that is so Gerard's. I had a great conversation on Twitter where somebody used that exact same phrasing with me. <laughs> I tell you what, that's going to be me one day. You're just going to not hear from me for a while. Think I've had a Facebook ban and then it'll be like, oh, she died of the flu. Yeah, I'll be like, bullshit. She's just banned from <laughs> Facebook again. Yeah, but somebody Gerard asked is... me if I was going to get a wake cake. And I said, when in the World Cup, I tweeted about the World Cup and somebody asked if I was going to get a wake cake. And I said, yeah, for when England loses in the first round. And they just Which responded. <laughs> and they just responded, bullshit. <laughs> um, so Mark thinks, God, he's dead. Uh, can't believe it. He's not coming back. And, and Dobby says that he left her a message. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> to which Mark doesn't really, but he can't really say no. And then it is Gerard's feeble voice saying, hi, Dobbs, I'm not feeling great. Don't trouble yourself. I just wanted to say hi. I guess I'll just say bye. And Dobby says, I can't believe that you cut him off so that we could watch have a frozen picture on What's the Apprentice. And Mark says, don't you think that's really what he would have wanted? And Dobby says, no, definitely not. Um, yeah. And clearly she's really upset by this. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, I guess I get why she's so upset. You know, he was her friend. But, yeah, I mean... He was a weird guy. 
I mean, it's, I think it's probably more that he's young and it's unexpected that so upset him. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and then um, Mark says that he's going to make they're going to make this the best darn funeral ever. Nice chapel eulogies. The wake somewhere lovely. He's going to get a wake cake. <laughs> um, Jeremy's thinking to himself like, "Oh God, he's gone over the edge there." And um, Mark is just thinking, "Jesus, life is spinning past every second, every single fleeting moment till we're gone." I'm going to take a look at my phone tariff. <laughs> I've got a very strong feeling I'm being fucked in the ass. <laughs> so we then move on to Dobby and Mark and another woman who we don't know who she is at the moment, but it turns out to be uh, Gerard's sister. And they are looking for the correct place to to handle the funeral. Uh, yep, and Mark and... thinks... Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, um, the place where says... they have to... The place where they have decided to handle the funeral is going to be the West London Crematorium. And Mark thinks, feels feels like she's still seeing more of him than me, which is a pretty, come on, Mark, sort your life out now. That's a pretty, that's too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think it feeds into Mark's, you know, self-doubt and his kind of self-loathing and everything where, you know, he just, like, man, just let her let her do her thing for right now like fucking a man yeah um she he's then thinking about funeral parlors massage parlors those are the main parlors aren't they what's the link both lying down except pizza parlor which always makes me laugh because why why do we say parlor he's got a point um and then they come to the place that they've decided they're going to handle the funeral and decide that it feels right Dobby thinks it feels right, so does the sister. And Mark says if it doesn't sound weird, he really thinks this would have been Gerard's sort of place. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he says, do you know what I mean? And Dobby says, yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah, dry and understated, but warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Mark thinks that Gerard's really come into his own since he's been dead. Um, they then find... <laughs> they then find that the, or Mark then finds that the funeral is being held Friday at 11, which is the time that he's got his second interview at the bathroom store. And he thinks that, is this really the best? He says, is this really the best time for a funeral? And the sister Katie explains that it's a very popular time. Um, he, But he explains he's actually got called back for a second interview. So he's wondered if they can change it. But it's quite clear from the look on Katie's face that she's not going to be persuaded to change it. So he says, you know what? Forget the interview, but never, repeat, never forget Gerard. Okay, so my issue with this is, if you had an interview and you had a sudden death, you could reschedule that interview. No yeah, problem. you just say, oh, I'm really sorry, but I've got a funeral. Like, you know, no one's going to lie about that, are they? Yeah. But I have a friend. I don't know if he listens to this podcast or not, so I don't <laughs> want to, like, say anything that may give him away. Um but he had a death in the family right before he was supposed to start working at Farmers, right before his interview. And they were just like, yeah, cool, we'll just reschedule that for later. Yeah, I actually went to a, I had an interview uh, the day before my granddad's funeral and I didn't tell anyone. And I wish I had looking back because I was an absolute mess. And I think, but I just was really English about it and thought, oh, I just, you know, won't say anything. And I was proper in a proper state and looking back i didn't get that job and looking back i wish i'd said something but i think you're right i'm sure it, it would be fine to just say sorry death yeah um next scene we're back at bath bathrooms and fittings we're in robert grayson's office with mark 
and three other potential candidates for the job. Mark thinks that this is that the ultimate combo is an interview than a funeral because you can wear the same outfit for both. <laughs> um, so they, this is like an apprentice style bullshit interview where there's a task and the people involved have to sort of divvy up the task in such a way as that they take different jobs. And Mark clearly being the, business mogul that he is knows he's going to be good at something like this and he manages to show up the other people in the interview particularly poor old Hugh is it by um taking charge of the situation and saying that they're going to pull their skill sets by subdivising into working groups and going to get some guys to look at the logo and some people to look at the rebrand and he's going to you know link it all together and do the boring stuff and he sounds like an apprentice wanker but it's clearly impressing Robert Grayson um, I really like when Hugh says, but I think we should really try and think outside of the box on this one. And Mark just thinks to himself, just leave that to hang like the bad fart it is because it's great. Because even Mark realizes that this is just stupid business bullshit language. Yeah, blue sky thinking it's kind of talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so um, we leave that there and we cut to Jeremy at his first therapy session. Um, and he's thinking that the therapist looks okay, wonder what's... Uh, no, sorry, he's thinking that the guy in the waiting room looks okay but can't work out what's wrong with him. And he's kind of looking around and then the receptionist says that Mr Bendix will see you in five minutes and Jeremy can't work out whether this is a joke or not. Yeah, and he starts, if you tell him his name makes you think of Bendy Dicks, he thinks he knows that you need the electric. Relax, <laughs> just take it quick and easy. Whip through a couple of issues... Drugs, career, women, the way that I can't go to sleep unless I'm wearing a woolly hat. And he'll be like, dude, you're cool. Everyone does the woolly hat thing. <laughs> Have you got anything weird that you can't sleep without? Um, I have a really hard time sleeping with, like, um, when I say, oh God, like pajama pants. Like, I have a hard time sleeping when things cover my legs. Right. It's like, uh, like underwear perfectly okay shorts that would be that'd be okay but like long pajama pants no never you haven't you haven't got anything where you need to have to make you sleep well just nose strips so that i don't suffocate from sleep apnea during the night but other than that you know because this really makes me laugh because i i sleep with an eye mask you know like one of those like yeah blackout (laughs) mask things and i have to have a fan on and it drives feel mental he's all got used to it now after like maybe 10 years of this shit but i i literally can't sleep in any situation where i do not have an eye mask and the fan is like secondary but really i'm gonna need some sort of white noise so if there's no fan in a hotel room i have to have like the sound of a fan on a white noise app and i never i like i know it's a bit weird but i hadn't previously thought it was like a maybe a psychological problem until jeremy says about the hat and then i started to question whether or not this was actually some sort of deep-rooted problem for me well if it's a deep-rooted problem for you it's also a deep-rooted problem for nicole because she also can't sleep without a fan oh really maybe it must be more common it's something something to do the white noise i think but it drives it drives phil mad we go through about probably two fans a year because i have them on so much that it just burns the mechanism (laughs) so the fan that we have i bought for five dollars back in two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Still have that motherfucker. It's a great that's, little fan. That's amazing. That they must make things better out there because our fans do not last. Just the other day, Nicole brought it into me and told me it stopped working and that we were going to have to go get a new fan. I was like, no, no, no. Fuck that. We're not getting a new fan. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I took it apart and sprayed it out with a bunch of can- compressed air because it was super dusty. Right, yeah, yeah. The dust thing is a, an issue. You have to sort of take it to bits and get rid of the dust. Yeah, I had a YouTube video playing that showed me how to take it apart and put it back together. Because I got to tell you, I, this makes me sound like I'm some genius electrical engineer. I'm fucking not. <laughs> no, it's, they're not that hard to take apart once you know how to do it. Um, so after, you know, Jeremy thinks to himself about the woolly hat thing, we go back to the West London crematorium where they're having Gerard's funeral service at. And Mark is like smiling. He's grinning ear to ear. And he, he sits down next to Dobby at the funeral. And, um, you know, he leans over to her and he says, or she looks at him and says, you're very fucking chipper Mark. And Mark just thinks to himself or says to her, sorry, it's just that it went pretty well at the interview. And Dobby just kind of cuts him off and just says, at the funeral, not so much. And Mark says, yes, yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, he then thinks that this is a mega funeral. It was a mega interview. He was the only arrival. But hey, look what happened to Gerard. This is what I do to my rivals. I put my rivals in the ground, which is a great line. <laughs> um, we have Alan Johnson get up to make a speech. I fucking love jo- Johnson's speech right here. Everything about this is brilliant. I hope at my funeral that there is a Johnson-like figure who can come and do a speech as good as this. I love that he starts it with uh, the first time I met this. My first memory of this great little guy in the big old box there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love when he says he was sniffing around for a raise that, given what I don't think anyone will mind me saying, where his very limited attributes was bloody outrageous. (laughs) I love the way as well that he's not standing at the lectern, so he's not standing behind it. He's sort of leaning against it like to the side which is really funny as well yeah he's just like leaning on the coffin and stuff like that it's very very (laughs) fucking funny and And then then he he finishes up with the great ending but maybe we can take some comfort from the brutal reality that the weak must make way for the strong evolution marches on the side is remorseless i hope the size remorseless twin can bring some comfort to you all (laughs) yes this is so this is such like johnson in a nutshell uh but after johnson's interview mark gets a text message on his phone saying they want to have a third interview with him in half an hour and mark is just like oh my god i've got it i've got to do this could i out in uh could i out in five cab over in 20 and then as he's thinking about this they called mark up to the lectern to give his little speech about gerard Yes, uh, so he gets up there and he thinks this is the brutal edit. Uh, he's sort of going through his notes. There's so much to say about Gerard. Um, in a way, whatever I say will end up feeling incomplete and he thinks they'll cover myself there. So he says that he's just going to sum up. First day, I thought, what a great guy. I liked him as soon as I met him. Um, I'm going to give you the stories, the highlights. Aberdeen, the Finnamore numbers. Tube up the nose, but so noble. World of Warcraft, huge for him. They'll be <laughs> obviously, which I think Alan hit. Um I don't want to wobble on when we probably all want to be out grieving and crying in a more well-catered environment. Um, Sarnie's got Sarnies. to love the sandwich. <laughs> I just feel very sad. That's the take-home message, which I want you all to go away with. Um, and he comes down and uh, Dobby shoots him a 
evil warning look. Yep, and then Mark just thinks to himself, if you got any complaints, tell them to Gerard. <laughs> um, next scene, we go back to Jeremy at his therapy appointment. I think this part is really, really funny. It's just Jeremy completely trying to fuck with the therapist the whole time. Um, I mean, this is, I don't know if you've been therapized. I've had a lot of therapy. So not my experience of therapy. Never felt like I had to, like, break the therapist. Yeah, but that's just Jeremy. He offers him a curly whirly. <laughs> and he thinks to himself, yeah, you weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> I've heard about Freudian. this. Yeah. Harsh Freudian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he then starts saying, you know, am I going to sit here? Am I going to sit there? Calls him a dickhead. <laughs> and then he thinks, is he going to get me sectioned? I hope he hasn't got a secret sectioning button under his desk. Um, and then he he says uh oh you've got a real patient on your hands here more mental millions for your high interest account or isa or share portfolio to spend on your wife or your boyfriend or whatever i've got your number kimisabi and he sort of carries on in this vein just generally being an arsehole for some time and then eventually the therapist asks him if he'd like a glass of water and he says he would <laughs> I love that when he was like, how about if I just pulled out my knob and started wanking? Yeah. Oh, you'd love that, wouldn't you? My gonads out, one ball dangling in front of each eye. That's your dream? Yeah, well, I'm not going to. <laughs> this is just such awesome Robert Webb here where I, I really wonder how much of this is improv because this is so goddamn funny. Yeah, and also it's, he, you can tell even in the moment here that, he, that Robert was struggling not to break through and laugh. Like, it, it's quite clear that... And the therapist looks like he wants to laugh as well. It's, it's a very well-done scene. It's it's very funny. Oh, my God. It is so funny. I was... I had to watch the scene, like, two or three times just to get through it because I was just laughing so hard. <laughs> um, we then move to the wake and... Uh, Mark is arriving from back from his interview and Dobby is cross with him, asks where he's been and he says he had an absolute nightmare getting hold of the white cake and she's like yeah, it's got to have a white cake and he says ta-da, it's been specially made but it clearly isn't because it is a <laughs> it's a Manchester is a Manchester United Stephen Gerrard cake yeah, you probably shouldn't ask me because I don't fucking know no, yeah, it's, it, Ger Stephen Gerrard is definitely a person and Red is definitely a colour in which uh, the Manchester United play. Hang on, I'm going to Google it. Someone out there is going to be screaming right now. We idiot, how do you not know this, Stephen Gerrard? Or the picture of him on Wikipedia, he's in red. Um... Oh, no, it was Liverpool, sorry. He was essentially oh. a builder for Liverpool. There you go. Oh, my, oh my God, I'm going to... I have a Liverpool jersey. I'm going to get shit on so bad. I'm sorry, Karen. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bethany. Um, the uh, white cake is, is not, you know, it's not impressing anyone. Uh, it's pointed out that it's a football cake. And he says, no, Gerard loved the red, the red team. So Mark knows about as much about football as I do. Um, <laughs> and Dobby says, you made something up and then you scrimped on it. And Mark is indignant because he thinks there are actually three shelves of cakes that were cheaper than this. Uh, Jeremy walks in at this point and you know, he looks at Mark and says, 
hey, Mark, how was the funeral? Mark says it was great and that he got the job. Uh, Jeremy is just acting like super happy and Mark is kind of weirded out by this. So he asked Jeremy if he's okay. And Jeremy just says, you should have therapy. He should have therapy. Everybody should have therapy. And Mark is just, you know, looking at him like, okay, well, what did he say? And Jeremy just is like, therapy, therapy, therapy. And Mark thinks to himself, yeah, it, is it just saying therapy that you're into? And Jeremy says, Mark, today is the day I worked out. I am not currently a very successful musician. <laughs> and Mark says that he knows this already. And Jeremy says, yeah, I know you know, but now I know too. And he says now he knows what he's going to do with his life. I'm going to become a therapist. And Mark's like, of course. And he's like, I could, I could therapize you. You really need therapy. And, uh, and um, Mark just looks, what, what would you say? Exasperated, like, oh, I yeah. don't Jeremy's schemes. Annoyed. Yeah. Dobby calls Mark to the kitchen so he can give her a hand, microwaving these chicken bits. And Mark thinks to himself, this is the moment of truth, the microwave test. Will she stay or will she go? If she stays, there will be trouble. If she goes, I'll get a cuddle. Um, and then um, uh, as he walks into the kitchen, he sees that Dobby has kind of jury-rigged the microwave so that she can close it without it actually close, without having to fix the mechanism. Yeah, she's tricked the mechanism into thinking it's closed. Um, and... Mark then decides to just outright say it. He says that all this horrible death stuff is making me think about life and will you move in with me soon, do you reckon? Because this death stuff is making me really keen to start my life. And she says, we've been married and had a baby. And he's like, yeah, but not really. Um, <laughs> and she says, I thought we were waiting for Jez to move out. Um, and he says, yeah, but he's not going to move out till you move in. And it's so expensive for you to live here on your own. So, you know, come and live with me. And she says, actually, she's called about the money because Gerard actually left her some money in his will. Fucking good bloke. Yep. And Mark just thinks, you couldn't beat me on earth, so you're shitting on me from heaven like a dead, jealous pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Scene. So, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was okay. I mean, like I said, it's not the funniest episode of the series, but it also does a lot to kind of set up series eight so that we know kind of the direction that we're going to be heading into for series eight. Yeah, it's fine. It's not, it's fine. I'm, I, it had some really funny moments. It's got some funny lines. And like you say, it's more of a set up episode than anything else. Would you change where you have this episode rated at? Um, no, but I will say that I think it's a little bit harsh, but that's just because there are other good episodes that need to be higher, I would say. And I have typed the list up. I know I didn't release it to you. It's on the laptop. So this week, I am definitely going to tweet the list. I've typed it. It's come in. So this is the last okay. time you're going to have to do this without the list. Uh, let's see. Do we have any in the low 40s that are unfulfilled? We... Unfulfilled. <laughs> We do. Um, so, what have we done? That's in the fifth, in the low forty, in the lower forties. So, Man Show was forty-eight. Um, the Love Bunker was forty-nine. We haven't the done affair. Love Bunker. We haven't done oh, Love Bunker shit. yet. Oh shit! Oh no! God shit. damn it, Laura! <laughs> God damn it! 
Um, well, I know one I'm going to get right you on. You know, one of them. The affair was in forty six. So yeah, that that area. There's some. There's some free there. Okay, I'm gonna go with forty seven. You are in the right ballpark. It's actually forty three. I've put it at. So I ah. think it's. I think it's fine. It's probably not that bad as to be that low. But like I say, there are simply other episodes that just need to come before it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not. It's not as like. <laughs> Like, I remember when we were talking about the affair and we just felt like that the affair was just, oh my god, like, why are we watching this episode? This episode is pointless. Um, I felt like that this episode at least had, you know, good setup, whereas, like, the affair was just sort of there for them to make an episode. Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't feel like a filler because it feels like it fulfills a purpose, which is to set all these storylines up. But, yeah, there are more... There are funnier, more exciting episodes of Peep Show out there. Yeah, I agree. And I have the I remember it. I had a question that I was going to ask you that I totally forgot to ask you at the start. Did you survive Winter Storm Hector? Winter Storm Hector? Or I guess not Winter Storm Hector, but did you survive Storm Hector? So I think that we only got the edge of Hector. I think that it was, it didn't really come to anything. Was it a big oh. deal over there? Uh, no, but it, I just saw it trending on Twitter, and so I looked it uh, up. And... No, it was it was a bit windy. I'll say that for it. I had to go into central London for a hospital appointment on Thursday, and it was a bit windier than usual. There were some problems on the overground trains because of the wind, but it wasn't like a hurricane. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I think good. people I'm... were like, I think people were panicking more, unless it was worse up north. But I think people were just getting hyped up by the weather forecast. Well, that's good. I'm yeah. glad that uh, <laughs> glad that it wasn't like a fucking hurricane or anything like no, that. No, it, it really wasn't. It was a bit windy, and the cats didn't like it. They didn't like being outside in it, and the you know the the fences were a bit shaky. But it wasn't it wasn't anything massive. Well, that's good. Mm. Have you been um, watching or listening to anything this week? Uh, well, I put the staircase on my to watch list on yeah, you really Twitter need to watch that. or yeah. on on Netflix. Sorry. Um, let's see here. What else? Um, honestly, have you ever watched the show Bob's Burgers? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's on Comedy Central over here. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I have been watching Bob's Burgers on Hulu. My my wife is watching it through for like the fourth time. I'm watching it through for like more or less the first time. But uh, I fucking love that show. It's great. It's very. I've, funny. I find it funny, but I've not seen it consistently, so I I don't really know what I've seen. If you know what I mean. But the bits I've seen, the episodes I've seen have been very funny. Yeah. So you said Staircase was excellent. It was brilliant. So I think that I'm a bit behind the curve because this has been out for years, hasn't it? But I so I remember like four years ago. No. Not as long as that. Like three and a half years ago when Serial Series 1 came out and everyone was like mad for Serial. Um, I loved Serial like so much. And the second... Did you ever listen to Serial? Have we talked about this before? Uh, yeah, I listened to both seasons of Serial. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't care for the second season at all. But the first season... Yeah, really you, and, you and like thousands else. of other people. Yeah. Um, but the first series I really liked. And I really liked True Crime and you know, murder shit. And the staircase I remember reading about, but it was really hard to get a copy of. It was on, I think it was on your Sundance channel over there. And the BBC had 
syndicated it here and shown it, but it was like, it was one of those things that was just really hard to get hands on a copy on the internet. So I remember watching the first episode and then just like my source dried up wherever I was getting it from. I could no longer get it. And it didn't, it didn't like, it didn't catch me that, it wasn't like I thought it was so good that I would have gone to great lengths to watch the rest of it. So I didn't. So, but, but then when it came on Netflix, I thought, well, it's going to be an easy way for me to watch it. And the same thing, like the first episode, I wasn't not convinced, but I was just like, I don't know why I should care about this. But then going into like the second and third episode, I was hooked. I was completely like, did not know what I thought about this guy. It seemed so obvious that he hadn't done it, but like there would be no documentary surely if he hadn't done it and it was so compelling and now it's 13 hours of it and I watched like probably 10 of those hours in less than about four days it is just it's it's really good well that's crazy I just was looking at this and it came out in 2004 but then was just released on Netflix (laughs) so they've added so it the first, I think, nine episodes or ten episodes are from the original 2004 run. And then they've added an extra three or four episodes at the end to sort of bring it up to date. So that's why I think Netflix paid for the, for the end bit. And that's why it's all on Netflix now. Ah, okay. So, um, but I don't know, is, the ca- like, is it a case that you know anything about? Is it because people were talking about it being like a famous case in the US, but I'd never heard of it. I've never heard of this before. No. So don't read anything about it would be my advice because going oh, okay. in to the staircase, it would be better for you to not know how he, like how the trial turns out. And because I think part of the reason I enjoyed it so much was because I didn't really know anything about it. Um, and I sort of tried to avoid spoilers. So I didn't look at Twitter. I was desperate to look at Reddit, but I was like, no, I'm going to wait till the end because clearly this is going to have loads of twists and turns, which I did, and I was glad that I did. So the less you know about it going in, the better. Maybe when we finish in betweeners, we'll start doing a true crime podcast. Yeah, maybe I've, I've always so I did um, for GCSE history. We did Jack the Ripper, and that completely like gave me a taste for blood. Like since then, I've just completely loved anything true crime and. To the point that it's a bit of a joke with people I know that it's a bit weird. And it is a bit weird, but I love I love true crime. Yeah, there's a... Um, hold on a second. There is a author, Anne Rule, who is a American author that she does a lot of true crime novels. In fact, like oh, really? almost all... Yeah, all of her books are true crime. And when I was deployed, I read so many... My mom would... My mom was reading a lot of Anne Rule books, so every time my mom would finish one, she would just send it to me, and I would read it. But what really made Anne Rule famous is that she worked with, um, oh my God, what is his name? I'm Hold on a second. Her now. Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, she worked with Ted Bundy, and her. So her first book was The Stranger Next to Me or Stranger Beside Me, which is about her like friendship and relationship with Ted Bundy and is really, really interesting. And so I, I kind of got hooked there. Um, she has some novels that are like short stories where, you know, they're not like in depth, but the one that I really loved was green river running red, which is really good. It's about the green river killer. And it was insane. Like reading that book was just fucking insane. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to look into that thing. Cause I've never heard of her and I love, I also love true crime books. So I'm definitely gonna go and seek her out now because 
I don't, I, I mean, it's a bit of a, I mean, I'm clearly not alone in this. There's clearly a lot of people that love this. I mean, but I can see that it's a bit of a morbid fascination. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, but still, you know, we're still waiting on serial season three and are they going to do another whodunit? Because that's what, that's what we really want, I think. Yeah. Do you think they're going to do another series of serial after kind of series two was just kind of reviled by so many people? Yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm sure it's been confirmed that it's in the making. Hang on, let me... Because it was, but then um, S-Town was... Everyone loved that, didn't they? Last year. Did you listen to that? Uh, I think I remember talking about it, but I don't think we... I don't think we did. Oh, here we go. Serial Season 3 is set to be huge and different. The podcast creator Ira Glass says the show's third series will be very different from the first two seasons. Well, let's... Let's make it so then. Come on, this article's from like nine months ago. I am, I'm looking forward to Serial Season 3. I really enjoyed Serial Season 3. One thing I'm really excited about was there was this really cool podcast that came out in... What year was that? In 2015 called Limetown. Right. And, and it is a six-episode six podcast, and it's kind of a mystery google it i don't know anything about this yeah oh my gosh i just got a letter in the mail i think from laura oh my god this is happening in real time oh folks. wow this is happening in real fucking time i'm opening a letter from laura right this is from you right laura it is yeah i did send you a card oh let's see what it says keep calm your little muggle is coming soon <laughs> <laughs> to Sean and Nicole, congratulations. We are so happy to hear about your amazing news. Parenthood is maddening but brilliant. We know you're both going to be brilliant. Love, Laura, Phil, Sadie, and Esther. P.S. If it's a boy, Mark or Jeremy for names for a girl, Sophie or Dobby? Question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> Aww, oh, I'm glad thank it turned you. up because I posted it like two weeks ago. So that's, that's been a slow... That's been, it's amazing to think this made it all the way across the world. Oh, thank you so much, Laura. This is like, I, I'm I'm being serious when I say that this was real time shit. Like, this was not planned. This was nothing. <laughs> this, like, seriously, my wife walked in and handed me this card. So, Laura. Oh, I'm glad it came. I am, I am so honored to have you as a co-host and a friend. So, thank oh. you so much. Right back at you. Anyways, uh, now that we're all mushy and, you know, <laughs> I've got tears in my eyes right now. Um, but yeah, so Limetown was this really great podcast. It's a mystery. It's uh, it's about this town called Limetown that was a, like a research center. And in like 19 something, the show, the whole town, everybody that is in the town just vanishes. And the podcast is about like a reporter so it's kind of like serial where it's like a reporter doing investigative journalism about what happened to limetown is it and true it is no 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 oh, it's, i was gonna it's, say yeah yeah it's yeah it's completely made up oh but, okay, gotcha yeah it's completely made up but it is so compelling i'm just it reading the so beginning compelling. of the wikipedia oh there's a second series coming halloween 2018 I know, which was why I'm talking about it, because I'm so fucking excited about the second season. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go and listen to that then, because that sounds right up my street. It says that they, uh, it says it was the number one podcast in America for two months. 
Yes, it is awesome. Nicole and I listened to it. We we drove up to Chicago a couple of years ago, and we listened to. I, I had already listened to the whole thing like two or three times through, um, but yeah, we drove up there listening to it, and Nicole was just you know she was totally it like. Let me put it this way: I would give it three episodes because episode three napoleon is the episode that i really think is where shit like really picks up so if like if episode two winona doesn't really do anything for you just give it to episode three napoleon if you don't like napoleon just don't bother listening to it but the sixth episode cost benefit analysis is like one of the most compelling like 30 minute podcasts i've ever listened to it's so good Uh, i'm definitely gonna listen to that because i've been so I've been, I've sort of burnt through all my podcasts and I've been, obviously I've talked before about the grief cast, which has just won a shitload of awards at the British Podcasting Awards. So that's still on, on game. Um, but I've been, I love Evil Genius from the BBC, which is quite funny, but I've sort of been like just floating around listening to here and there podcasts. So I need something to, to get into that's a full series. So I'm definitely going to try that this week. There's another there's another podcast that I really like that's called Welcome to Night Vale. Okay, what's that about? It's um it's kind of like a radio it's kind of like Twilight Zone, I guess would be kind of the best way to describe it. And it's this um it's about this um guy named Cecil who's a radio producer for a, a radio station in the fictional town of Night Vale. You don't know where Night Vale is. You don't know, like, what part of America it's located in. It's, um, you know, like, this town where, like, just fantastical stuff happens all the time. And it's just Uh, kind of about, like, the residents. But they are going to be on tour, a world tour. They are going to be in London, UK on Friday, January 25th at the Union chapel and they've got two shows at the union chapel on the 25th the union chapel is such an amazing oh that would be brilliant if it's a bit spooky as well because the union chapel is like yes. such a good venue yeah that would be amazing on, yeah on sunday the 27th they're going to be at albert hall in manchester and on monday january 28th they're going to be at epic studios in norwich and then on tuesday the 29th they're going to be at uh, St. George's Bristol in Bristol. Uh, if there's anyone listening to this that is already a fan of this in the UK and is thinking about going, definitely you, you should go to the Union Chapel because it's like, it's a working church. It's a really weird space and the chapel is like a, it's a, it's a music space, but it's also a, it was a previously used as a church. And it's just, it's really, I've seen a couple of acts there and they it was just the atmosphere is great. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to Night Vale is a great podcast. I unfortunately have kind of fallen behind on it quite a bit. I'm like probably about a year behind, but it's a it's a fantastic podcast. It's super funny. The main voice actor that does the voice, his name is also Cecil. Cecil is incredible. Uh, the the guy that does the music, his name is Disparition. Disparition's music is incredible. Uh, the guy that plays Cecil's partner, Carlos. Dylan Marin, Dylan Marin is incredible. Like the whole the whole voice cast is incredible. It's really really good podcast. 
Oh, I definitely, I've just subscribed to it, so I'll definitely have a look at that as well. Talking of uh, music, I am going to, I'm very excited to be going to see Flight of the Concords on Wednesday. Um, oh. With, uh, with Phil, we are, it was meant to be all the way back in April, but um, the Brett broke his arm, so he, they had to postpone it uh, until now, but it's at the O2 and I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to that a lot. That's cool. Um, yeah. I... I, you know, I'll be honest, I have not ever really, I'm not really that familiar with Flight of the Concords outside of they had a show on MTV. I was going to say, is it a thing that I know it was on, because it was on HBO, wasn't it, their show? Oh, HBO, yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, um, which, but I was going to say, do Americans like Flight of the Concords? Because it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. Like, I know they're not British, but it is a bit weirdly British. And I wonder if, because it was on BBC radio 2 to start with and the we really love the i mean we like we like the tv show but we really love the radio show and i wonder if it's something that americans are just like what the fuck is this <laughs> i i think that there were people who liked flight of the concords i never watched it just because i never had hbo right um but yeah i i never minded flight of the concords yeah no i i I am excited to go and see them live. It'll be interesting to see what they like live. I think they'll probably be quite funny. Um, it's a bit of a crap venue because the O2 is so big, but it's it's where they are. It's where they're doing their gig. So you, uh, that's that's the situation. But um, you know, I think it'll be good. And I've, I've weirdly fancy Jermaine, even though he looks a bit like a llama. I've always a little well, bit had a bit of a thing for Jermaine. Wow. So they're playing at the O2 Arena because that's where yeah. when the. Wow, that's a huge arena. Yeah, it's massive. You get vertigo at the top of it. Yeah, that's where the WWE, whenever they come to England, they do all their shows at the O2. Mm, I've been to, I've been to a few gigs there. Some more successful than others. Um, it seems to it's it's a bit lacking in atmosphere. So where we're going to be on Wednesdays, we're at the in the bit at the bottom where the like in the flat bit. But if you're up around the top. And I've been right at the top. Sometimes it's, there's no atmosphere up there, really. So I'm glad that we're going to be at the bottom. But it's it's, a, it's an unfortunate space for a, a gig, for a music gig. But I can see why artists choose to use it, because it is just fucking huge. And you can fit about a million people in there. And uh, last last uh, little event that I'm going to plug over in your country. And I know that this is uh, there's only like a handful of people that will actually care about this. But New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be in in Manchester. Or excuse me, they're going to be at the Milton Keynes Ice Arena on Saturday, <laughs> June thirtieth. It's going to be a great Keynes show. Ice arena, one of the one of the great arenas. I I highly recommend I highly recommend going to the show if you can get over there to see it. And then if you're on the other side of the country, they're going to be at the on Sunday, June July first. They're going to be at the Ultra Canam Arena in Greater Manchester. So, I'm just wondering you, what that is. The way you've pronounced that, how does that spell? Yeah. I, uh, here, let me pull it back up. I probably totally butchered the pronunciation of it. Uh, it is A L T R I N C H A M. Yeah. I don't. I don't actually know how to say that. I've never heard of that place. Ultra Ultrasham. Ultra. Oh yeah, Ultra Chum. That sounds Ultra much Chum. better. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Let's, let's see yeah, the Ultra Chin Ice going. Dome. Ah, okay. Yeah, cool. so if you, yeah, so if you, if you Laurel or 
you know want to take Phil out for a nice romantic evening of pro wrestling, I would recommend going to either <laughs> of those shows. Yeah. So. We have just booked tickets for the uh, CBeebies Festival in Liverpool, which is a children's festival involving all of the kids' favorite characters from CBBC. So that's the that's the level of stuff we normally go to. Like I'm sound, I'm making it sound like we do cool things. We do not do cool things. That is, uh, we're going to be seeing Mr. Tumble in concert. That's the reality. <laughs> all right. Well, that's. I think that this is a. Uh, that's it for today. We will be back next week with. Um... What oh my is the god, next why episode? can't what is, I Jesus. Oh, um the publishing oh, uh, one. The business secrets of business the Business Secrets of the Pharaohs. Yeah. 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 There you go. Okay, Ever let's, professional. Let's... We know what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Boy, this is this podcast is just firing on all cylinders right now. So <laughs> Alright, so yeah, so we will be back next week with Business Secrets of the Pharaohs, an episode I fucking love. Um and yeah, so that'll be it. We will see you next week. This is the LD Brothers podcast signing off. And eh, eh. eh. goodbye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. I, yeah, 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 yeah,